Welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Hello, everyone. Today's show is slightly different, you know. Jin doesn't have 30 properties. Um, He's, you know, fairly early on in his property career slash journey. But, you know, the twists and turns that have happened in his personal life and the effect that property has had in a huge positive way to change his life financially and emotionally, physically, mentally have been huge. And I think if you've been through anything that, you know, was a challenge, was difficult, was emotionally draining, then you're really going to resonate with Jin's story. Um, he has reached financial freedom fairly quickly, um, and he's based in the Midlands, so he's a brumay. Um, but his kind of personal story intertwined with that and his, his mindset and how he built a mindset, lost it, and then rebuilt it again even stronger is just fascinating. Um, and I think it's a nice look at mindset and property, which, you know, most of the time is half, if not more of the battle in being successful in property and any business. Um, so yeah, look, here we go. Quick one. If, if you're loving the podcast, please, please leave me a review on iTunes or the podcast app. Scroll to the bottom of the podcast app, write review, put a few words on. That'd be really nice. Um, if you haven't got an Apple product, if you go on the Facebook page and go to share feedback um, or reviews it should let you put a review there any awesome guests you want to get on the show any interesting topics you want me to cover please give me a shout and uh, yeah here is Jin Jin welcome to the Tej Talks podcast thank you thank you Tej nice to uh, uh, be asked to come on no, no problem at all. You know, you, you have a really interesting story. And I think, you know, half of that is property, half of that is kind of you and your personal life. And I think, you know, people will definitely relate with both sides of the story. And it's always good to get another Brummy on the show. So, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. So, you know, for people who, you know, aren't connected with you on Facebook or may not know sort of who you were before property, like talk me through sort of what you were doing in your life before you discovered property. Okay, so I'll start, I'll start at university really. So I went to university, did a business studies degree, uh, graduated in 2002. Uh, and I think it was a lot of partying, <laughs> not much studying. So I don't know how I managed to pass, but I did. Uh, but I still came up with the mindset that, oh, I've been to uni, I'm going to go and get a 40 grand job straight away. Uh, so that's, what, that's the kind of jobs I applied for initially. And that didn't happen. So I kind of lowered my expectations and came down to 30 thousand a year that didn't happen and then I thought okay I just need to get a job <laughs> so uh, I did a bit of temporary work um, and then a position came within uh, one of the big six energy suppliers and I thought okay it wasn't for much uh, the pay was quite low but I thought I'll get my foot in the door and I can start my way up and start building my myself up the company so I uh, started the job and it's a bit disheartening to begin with because I was. I began start stapling bills. <laughs> so wow. you think you think that probably a big company like that would have a, billing, a, a stapling machine to staple <laughs> the bills, but no, I, I was I was a stapling machine, <laughs> uh, and that's what I spent doing for about six months, uh, which was a bit bit hard really. But uh, and then a position came up within the company to move into a different area on a secondment, 
and that, that was it really. From then on, I thought I'm going to get my head down and just work myself up within the company. From there, I went into a marketing role, uh, looking at competitors and what competitors are doing in the market, which is quite an interesting job. Because I, like, I was doing something like a mystery shop panel, I had a mystery, my own mystery shop panel, uh, where I had uh, employees swap between energy suppliers and, and gather information for me. Uh, so it's quite an interesting role. Um, I was doing that for a few years, and then I thought, okay, I've seen myself as quite an innovative person. Uh, seen myself seen as an, an entrepreneur, and I thought, okay, I want to I want to move into the strategy department, and at least then I can start implementing more of my ideas. Uh, I eventually got there and found I found it quite difficult because even though I was coming up with ideas, I found it very difficult to get from coming from the, the concept and coming up with an idea to get it implemented. And found myself spending a lot of my time on spreadsheets, PowerPoint present presentations, and just doing power presentations for different people. Like you, you do PowerPoint presentations for the marketing department, and then you do one for you know directors, and that have to be changed. And you just spent a lot of time just fiddling around and not actually getting your idea implemented within the business. And I found that quite frustrating. So I was doing that for quite a few years, and I thought, okay, I've got to a position where I wanted to within this in the company, and I'm not happy. Um, it's not something I'm enjoying doing. But what do I do next? Uh, so I just got, I quite often spoke to my wife about property investing, and it's something I wanted to do, but I, I always con- convinced myself out of it, thinking that I need a lot of money to do it. Uh, so eventually, uh, I just, you know, I kept staying in the company. But said to my wife, I wish I get made redundant. Because if I did, then I'd have enough money coming in that would help me get into property. Uh, and I think that kind of wish came true eventually. <laughs> I don't think it made redundant. Nice. And then, you know, I know you said you kind of got to your position and, and you weren't happy. As you were an employee and you were working up to that position, were you happy or did you always kind of want something more? Uh, I think I'd get to, I'd, I'd move up a level within the company uh, I'd be content for a little while uh, but then quickly I was I was unhappy again I never felt I was in the right place there's still something always in the back of my mind saying this world's not for me I'd sit in meetings and sit there and I'd think I'd shut off and I'd find it hard to concentrate and sometimes I often think what are these what are these people talking about because <laughs> I, I just couldn't I couldn't concentrate and it and yeah, something in the back of my mind always said to me that, that this is not the right place for me. And I think I just needed to listen to that. And it took me a while to do that. Mm. And so, you know, at that point you said, you know what, I've been made redundant. This is great. My wish came true. You know, let me jump into property. You know, was it as easy as that? Did you just sort of get made redundant next day, go on some viewings, get a vanilla buy to let and carry on and everything was all hunky-dory or kind of what happened? Yeah, I wish it was, but no, no it wasn't. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, I got made redundant, um, and I set myself a little plan. I thought, okay, I'm going to buy two to three properties a year. Uh, I'm going to concentrate on flipping. Uh, I'll make about 10000 per property, and then I'll just work myself up, and I'll I'd, I'd keep building up the capital to you know, build up my portfolio and invest in more and more properties. Uh, but then I thought to myself, all right, okay, I probably need to speak to an accountant as well to see how I set my business up, uh, whether to do it individually or as a co- uh, as a business. So I went and spoke to an accountant, and he got basically said to me, yeah, you need to go and you can't do this full time. You need to go back and get a job because this is, property investment is, can't be done full time. It, it can only be done 
as something that you buy one or two properties every few years, save up and use it as a retirement plan. Ridiculous. And, yeah, that scared me. And I thought, okay, I've made, you know, I've, wait, I've wanted to do this for ages and it, it's happened. I've got made redundant. I had this dream and now it could be that I can't, I can't go through with it. Wow. So, yeah, but then luckily my wife, I don't know, she wasn't looking at property, so I don't know how, how it kind of came across to her, but on her social media, uh, a property course came available, uh, marketed on, on her social media. So she kind of said to me, look, why don't you just go on this course and, you know, you might, you might find out some more information. So I went I went into the course and straight away I thought, well, you know, it, it is possible. There are people doing it. So that accountant is just talking rubbish. Uh, he doesn't know what he's talking about because he doesn't do it himself. So, and they kind of said on the on the on that on the, on the little course that I went to that there are people out there that will tell you it can't be done because they've never done it themselves. So, and that kind of woke me up really. Wow! And then, so after that, and who who was the course with? Do you remember? Yeah, so I, I did, mine was with Legacy. Oh, okay. And then, did you sign up to like the paid stuff later or? Yeah, so straight away I signed up for the free day basic. Uh, I went on the free day basic and it was day one. I think at the end of day one, they kind of talked about the upsell for the, the, the extended course. And I was the first one up out of everybody. Went into the back of the room and said, sign me up. Uh, and they said, I'm fine. And I kind of used two thirds of my redundancy money just on the course. Uh, and I thought, you know, I just felt like the right decision for me. I, I, I thought, Redundancy money should be used to further your education, help you with your career. And, you know, if anything, that my company is going to help me develop and really do what I've, what I've always wanted to do. Um, so it felt, it felt like the right decision. I didn't tell my wife at the time. I called her, I called her a couple of hours later. <laughs> and, and luckily, she, she was fine with it. She goes, you know, you've made the right decision. Go for it. Cause she knew I've been talking, uh, talking to her for five, ten years about me wanting to get into property. And she goes, look, Jin, you just need to do it because otherwise it's going to be in the back of your mind for the rest of your life. You just need to give it a go. Mm. And how important was that bit of education to kind of your success now, which we'll get to in a bit? For me, it kind of changed my life, if I'm honest. Uh, so it wasn't just about property for me. Uh, as soon as I entered that world, it kind of opened my mind up to so many different things. Uh, I hadn't read a book for, I don't think I'd ever read a book from beginning to end. Um, so when they, when I, before I went on the, the, I did the three day basic and before I went on the rest of the course, they said, go away and read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So that was the first book I read and I thought, wow, this is, this is amazing. You know, I didn't think of passive, I didn't even know what passive income was. And then I thought, you know, is there, is there such a thing as passive income? And it made sense that, you know, sometimes being an employee within a business, where people see it as the safest place to be, can be the riskiest place, especially today when people are getting made redundant. You know, there used to be a time where there's probably 10 people and you know one person that had been made redundant. These days, you probably have five friends and out of that five, one of you has been made redundant. So I think that job security is going and I think sometimes being in a, in a job is a lot more riskier than people think compared to being uh, an investor. Mm. And you know, I know when we first spoke on the phone um, after we kind of reached out on Facebook, you mentioned that sort of things in your personal life and with your family were not kind of as smooth um, as they could be kind of during this kind of property journey and before. Could you tell me more about that? Yeah, so uh, 
basically, I didn't have a great childhood. Um, so my, my, my dad was an alcoholic and had a few issues there. Uh, always had always lasting confidence. Um, and I mean, that, that, that was kind of affected me from my, from my job as well. Uh, but when I, when I came out of that, I kind of felt like I got, got over that. Um, and when I, when I started property, it took me, it took a, it took a while for me to get going. And I, and I think, I think with a lot of people in property, uh, a lot of people got moved quite quickly. Sometimes it takes people a bit longer. And I think the key thing is what mindset. Uh, I think before anybody can kind of build their property portfolio, I think sometimes you just re- you need to begin with working on yourself and your own mind. So when I first started, it took me a while to, to get my first property. Uh, and eventually, working on my mindset, reading books all the time, started getting me there. Uh, and I got my first offer accepted six months into doing the property uh, property course. Uh, I started reading a book called The Miracle Morning. So I started, have, I got myself in a morning routine uh, where I'd wake up every day, read books, uh, do affirmations, do goal setting. And for the first time in my life, I felt, you know, diff- like a different person. I had confidence in myself. I started loving myself, who, who, I, who I was. Uh, I felt on, on the right track and everything seemed to be going, going falling into place. Uh, however, and then in November uh, last year, I heard that my sister had got ill um, and I kind of visited her and she's they said it wasn't anything to worry about. Uh, they felt like that, that originally they felt that, that she had a rheumatoid arthritis, uh, which I felt, you know, I was upset for her. I needed to ch- probably change her life in some way. Uh, but following that, it kind of, the condition got worse and they felt, they found it, they felt that it's something called mixed tissue disease. Uh, Again, I read about it and and I was worried and stressed that it would change your life, but we didn't know what would happen in terms of in this, like a few months later, she went into hospital. Uh, the, the set, we were told that the, the, disease, the disease had affected her lungs and it just, it just felt like a crazy roller coaster from then really because they told us that the, the disease that she had, uh, nobody's ever had that uh, effect. Uh, had that in uh, happened to them in the UK. There'd only been a few cases in Japan, uh, so it just it just didn't it just felt surreal. And within a few weeks of going into hospital, on the fourth of December last year, uh, she passed away. Uh, so yeah, that was that was a difficult time for us all. Um, and you know, just for me personally, I just felt rock bottom again. Um, I, I was I was angry at the world again. Um, I, I couldn't focus. Uh, you know, I just it just kind of threw me right off. Um, and you know, I thought I thought I'd worked on myself and got to a certain place where I was happy for the first time. And then and then it felt like I felt bad in certain ways because I kind of I'd always said I wished for everybody else's happiness in my life. And I thought for the first time I was I, I was happy. And then maybe God was punishing me in some way for being happy um, and finding happiness myself. And then I kind of, I kind of said, oh, I can't do this. I need to, I need to. I had my first property deal just got got uh, completed a few months later, and I thought, look, I need to focus. I need to get this property over the line. I need to make my sister proud. So that's what I did. I focused on that, my first property, getting it over the line, getting it all sorted, and I just threw myself into the work. Uh, I didn't really, you know, give myself 
time to grieve. Uh, I thought, all right, just just focus on focus on this property, get it over the line. You know, make your sister proud, make your family proud, and then put all my attention on that. And then a few months later, I went on holiday to Egypt with the family uh, in April this year, and I just crashed basically. Um, and you know, I just couldn't. I just went went downhill. Uh, I started drinking a bit more. Uh, I started just going off, off, you know, off track totally. Um, stopped doing all Miracle Morning stuff. Stopped reading books. Uh, and I've I seen a major change in myself. I just, I just, I was just going backwards. You know, um, I was going back to the kind of angry, annoyed person that I kind of was when I was a bit younger. When I, when I was, when I had problems with my dad. Um, so I kind of, you know, all I could tell I was upset. And you know, I got two young children, married. I know I've got responsibilities, and I knew I couldn't do that. I knew I couldn't go back to that, those days. So I thought, okay, Gene, you need to, you need to focus. What, what changed you in the beginning? What made you the person that you started to become? And then I thought it was the mindset stuff. It was the reading of the books. It was Miracle Morning. And all the other books that you read that started to change you who you are, you need to go back to that and start from there again. So I started doing my miracle mornings again, started my uh, early morning routine, did my affirmations, goal setting, and that slowly started changing me again and putting me back on track. Um, and what I also do is I I put everything on Facebook. So a lot of, a lot of people say negative stuff about social media and everything else, but for me, I see it as quite a positive thing sometimes. For me, it's a massive accountability tool. So I started posting from day one when I started my Miracle Morning again. I posted it on Facebook and saying, right, I'm starting my Miracle Mornings again. This is day one. And I've been doing that ever since. I'm on 127, 28 today. So, yeah, I, I think, it's, you know, Facebook's been a good tool for me just to keep me accountable to everybody and everybody around me to say, look, I'm doing this and I'm doing it every single day and I'm on track and this, and this is what I'm doing in my life. And trying to inspire others really as well, you know. But you know, grief and losing somebody is such a hard thing. But you have to, you have to continue with your life. It's kind of you have to just keep moving forward. Mm. And you know, it sounds like you you've managed to kind of um, change your mindset, change your mood, and you're kind of, I guess, modulate your feelings. You know, through simple things such as having a morning routine or reading certain books or having a certain mindset. And I think, like, you, you, you know, by, by listening to it, you make it sound easy, you know, in the sense that you were able to control your emotions to the extent that, like, you're in charge, not the emotions, and kind of come out the other end stronger. And, like, it's super interesting because, you know, that is a difficult thing to do. And I'm sure it was difficult for you. Um, but, you know, I hear a lot of people say, oh, you know, I can't do this. I, I can't do that. Life's too hard, this, that and the other. And then I guess I listen to your story and I think, hold on, you know, to go through what you've been through and to come out the other end like this. And you have been responsible for the outcome, i.e. you've changed your mindset like twice. You know, that, I don't know, it kind of inspires me. And, and I hope it inspires others that look whatever you're going through like there's always a way out and I think we can be in charge of our emotions and we can be in charge of our mindset and, and we're kind of responsible for it at the end of the day would you agree with that last part totally uh, so uh, one thing got kind of kind of clicked to me was after losing my sister I, I got some counseling and at the time I, I said it felt like I've lost two people in my life 
I felt like I've lost my sister and I've lost my relationship with God. Um, and I said that I always felt God was my my friend. My friend. Uh, I had conversations with him often. Um, and you know, even though I had a hard childhood, I always said to God, you know, please help me out of this. Uh, always look after my sisters. And when I lost my sister, I kind of felt angry at him. Um, and felt like I've lost that person in my life. But then I kind of started thinking a bit differently. And I think the books helped me and stuff like that. I thought, I thought for the first time, I thought, but maybe God does, has no control of what happens in our life. Maybe, you know, why are we saying, why, why have we ever thought that God controls everything? He's told us that. We don't know that. So if he doesn't control it, we have control. And that, that changed everything in my head. Because then the first time, I thought, I'm not owed anything. Just because I had a hard childhood, just because, you know, things are difficult for me now, nobody owes me anything. And if I keep on saying, you know, blaming everybody everybody else for my problems and saying, you know, I think it's in a Will Smith video and he talked about the difference between uh, the, the difference between fault and responsibility. And and I thought, right, so isn't, I, could, I can keep blaming, say, it's my dad's fault for this or it's, you know, God's fault for this. But then I'm giving away control and not taking control myself. And that, that just clicked to me. And I thought, okay, Jean, you need to start taking control yourself. You know, if you want things in life, it's down to you and only you. And you've got to get, get down and do that. You know, even even when we were losing my sister, uh, you know, I had friends and other people trying to support me around me. Uh, but in reality, they couldn't do nothing for me. It wasn't until, it wasn't until I, I said, right, Jean, you need to take control. And at that point, when I realised it's down to me and they've, and only down to me, and that that's when I started taking control of my life. And I think that that's the key thing, really. When you start blaming other people or start looking at a reason for things not happening in your life, you give away that power, and you take that power back when you start when you realise it's all down to yourself. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think you know, it it is difficult to have that self realisation to kind of I don't know step back out of your own head speak to yourself and say, you know, Jin, take control, um, you know, look at what you're doing and look at how we need to improve like that, that kind of introspection, I think it's called, like it is definitely not easy. And I think, you know, for some people it might come easier. It might be, you know, a few weeks, a few months, for some it might take years, but it's definitely all possible for us. And I think, you know, and, and pretty much what you said, like our mindset is our foundation for everything we do. If you don't have self-confidence, you're not going to walk into an estate agent and get a deal. If you haven't got attention to detail in your mindset, you're going to miss on a good deal or mess things up. And like, it's super, super important to have that like foundation, just like with a building, just like with a business, with a relationship, with anything, right? So like, how have you then applied this mindset to property? And I guess to kind of flesh that answer out, it'd be really good to talk about the first deal you did. And if you can share some figures, that would be even better. Okay, so my first deal um, was kind of, I was looking at buy-to-lets initially. Uh, I wanted to do HMOs, uh, but then I was kind of, at that point on my first deal, I, I was easily convinced and, and took other people's opinions on very quickly. So if somebody said to me, HMOs, saturated market, everybody's doing it, I'd say, okay, fine. And then I started looking at buy-to-lets, but my heart was in HMOs because I, I was, I'd been made redundant and I knew I wanted to replace my income as fast as possible and I knew it would take me longer doing buy to let than it would be doing HMOs. So I, 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 the first property I've seen uh, was a free bed um, semi-detached that had been converted into doctor surgery. 
all the rooms are quite large and I thought okay this this, this looks like a good HMO to me uh, the area that I mean wasn't a massive area for HMOs uh, but myself because I've come from what I did in, in my job working at competitive analysis I looked at my comp- competition within the area and I thought okay I, I can beat that beat my competitors I, I can get a better product than them so I'm still going to go for it uh, so that's what I did I, I converted into a four bed HMO um, I bought it for six. I bought the property for sixty-five thousand. Uh, spent about forty-five thousand on it. Uh, done up value was one hundred and five. Uh, that property now cash flow is about seven hundred and fifty pound a month, uh, which was a return of investment of around twenty-two percent. So from first deal, that that was quite a good one. And where is this in the world? So I invest in St Helens. So yes. Yeah, not many people know where St Helens is, but it's in, yeah, it's kind of in the middle of Liverpool and Manchester and just above Warrington. So, so it's it's not it's not a massive area for HMOs. Bite lets works there quite well. Uh, obviously, Manchester, Liverpool, and Warrington do quite well for HMOs. So the way I saw it was that I seen kind of St Helens growing in the future, uh, an area that you know HMOs you know will keep continue to grow, uh, but at the moment. It's not massive, and you have to have the best product, and that's what I'm focused on having the best product. And what what kind of tenants have you got in there? So I've got semi professional, um, so and they've all, they've all been good tenants. I've not had a problem with any of them. Um, so and I've been to see, see the property since, and they keep it in good condition. So Touchwood, uh, it's worked quite well for me. Um, and since then, I've uh, invested in another property there, which was a quite a good deal. Uh, it was an old. It's been a church that got converted into uh, a social club, and then I somebody converted into two three bed um, apartments. And when I looked at it, I thought, okay, this 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 makes a perfect eight bed HMO with massive rooms. Uh, when I say massive rooms, some of the rooms are like twenty meters squared. Oh wow! So you know, I I thought, okay, this 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 fits what I want to do. I, I want to create a new type of HMO where you know, people have their own living space. They've got uh, so I've just completed a few weeks ago, and you know that the some of the rooms have got uh, sofas in there, dining tables, uh, under counter fridge freezers, um, TVs with Netflix. You know, it's just, uh, it's somewhere where I would want to live myself, and that's the way I see. always look look from the consumer's uh, point of view. Uh, and the numbers the numbers are great as well, so you know that's still important, but. Yeah, the whole it's I kind of just finished a few weeks ago and I've had quite a lot of interest in it. Uh, staged it myself, uh, so I got my wife involved this time because I've been, kind of been doing it all on myself. Property, my property journey. My wife's uh, been focused on her, on, her, on her career, but I always wanted to bring her in and and start doing something together. So we thought let, let's just stage this property together. So we staged it together, and so far we've had a, a lot of good feedback. So yes, it seemed seemed like the partnerships <laughs> worked quite well. Nice. And so, whereabouts do you live? I live in Wolverhampton. So, what? Because of you know, Wolverhampton, Walsall, Dudley, Birmingham—they're all kind of you know decent areas to invest in. With okay, not sixty-five thousand pound sort of price level, a bit higher than that. But what made you go to St Helens instead of kind of investing on your doorstep? Uh, for me, it's a property education, really. So I, I knew I had the time because I was doing it full time. Uh, so I thought time's not an issue for me. I'm happy to travel uh, two hours to get to my investment area. Uh, I've always been, my job's always been analysis based. So 
start on what you know I got down to do, doing massive spreadsheets, working out the rental uh, income per room, uh, but and then basing that on how much property value property values on in each area, and just did that for two hours around from where I lived. So every area two hours from where I lived, um, and St Ellen's came at the best. Uh, and then I've St Ellen's, Liverpool, Warrington, some quite a lot of those areas. Uh, and then I visited all those areas, um, and St Ellen just felt right for me. Uh, I walked the streets, met people, spoke everything quite friendly. Seen properties, every property I visited, spoke and spoke to tenants in the properties. They're always quite polite to me, and I thought, okay, this kind of suits me. And there are other areas that work better for better HMOs like Manchester, Liverpool, uh, and Warrington. But I thought the property price is so cheap here, and if I can get this place to work as HMOs, then the returns are just going to be massive. Um, and on my second one, like I say, if if, if I get a commercial, I got a, it's got valued a few weeks ago, and if I get the get commercial, if I get the value that I'm on a commercial basis, I'm looking at around about seventy-seven percent return of investment. Wow! So, so how much did you buy it for? Uh, one hundred and thirty thousand. And how much did you spend doing it up? Uh, spent seventy-five thousand. Okay, it's quite a hefty refurb. And then, how much do you expect it to be valued at? I'm looking at a commercial valuation. I'm looking at about two hundred sixty-five thousand. So you should get most of your money back out. Am I right? Yeah, I leave about twenty thousand in. And then, how much will it net you a month profit in your pocket? Uh, let's look at the numbers. I'm looking about. Uh, £1,285 a month. I mean, that's a pretty good deal if I, if I ever heard one. So, yeah, like, I'm always quite safe with my numbers. Like, I've I, I based it on me getting a bricks and mortar valuation. If I get, even if I get a bricks and mortar valuation, it will be valued at 200000 Uh And even then, I, my cash flow will go up because my mortgage will be less. So, my cash flow then will be 1500 Indeed. And the, and the return of investment will be still good, around about 27% return of investment. Okay. And so yeah. how did you finance your first deal and, and the one you just mentioned? So my first deal, uh, for me, I, I when I got made redundant, I didn't tell anybody that I got made redundant. So all that, the only person that knew was my wife uh, and my mum. And I, I, said, I said, look, I don't want to tell anybody I'm doing this property thing. Uh, because I don't want people keep, keep coming to me every five minutes saying how many you got, how many you brought, how many you brought, and I thought it's going to ask put too much pressure on me. So the problem with doing that is if you're not telling people what you do, you're not going to find investors. Yeah. So I thought okay, so I need to do this first first one on myself. So I got credit cards, um, and you know add add some savings available, and I thought okay, I'm first first one I'm going to just use my own money. But once I've finished it, then, and I've, I've followed the model, I know it works, I'm confident, then I'll go and find investors. And rather than using investors to invest in my next deal, I'll use them to invest in my first deal. So I'll say, okay, I'll finish this project, project, the rental income's coming in, this is return investment, would you like to invest in this property? And it's a safe deal because it's all done, tenants are in and it's returning. And that's what I did. So an investor came in. They invested in my first property. That gave me some money to then go on, pull that money back, all my money out of that deal, and leave the investors' money in long term. They're happy. They're happy to just leave it in there and use that money on my prop on my second property. Ah, that's a very interesting way of doing it. I've never heard of, never heard of that. So, 
they they invest money in your first deal which already has your money in yeah you can then take out that money that they've essentially filled that gap with to then go yeah. buy more properties their money secured in your existing property not on a new one which could go wrong yeah. and you give them a cut of the rent basically over over a long period of time yeah that's it and they're happy for long for their money to stay in there long term and they're going to get good re- good return on their money as well uh, and what and made then- you think of doing this i've ne- i've never heard it before it just it just felt I, I'm quite uh, I kind of worry a lot and uh, you know worry about losing other people's more money than I lose losing my own and I didn't really want to use other people's money on my first deal. I thought for I, the way I thought about it was am I investable? And at that time I thought I'm not investable because I wouldn't invest in myself because I'm 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 unsure whether I'm doing this right myself. So I thought oh, okay I need to just do this first one myself and then use other people's money to pump, pump all my money out. And then once I got my second one, I used, I used some of the money from that investor's money to, on the second one, but also that invest that investor said to me, right, I've got some more. I'll invest in your new, in your, I'll invest some more in your new one. And I, and I was happy to take the money on my new one because I'd already done it once. I knew yeah. the model worked from beginning to end. Uh, and, and first, ha- I was always worried. And how did you find this investor or, or how do you find investors generally as well? So at the moment, it's been <clears throat> friends and family. Um, and what I've realised at, at the beginning, I think I think at the beginning, it probably will be mostly family and fam- friends and family. I think a lot of people find that. But I think as you start building your, your brand up, uh, and what, I, what I found is I, I created a second Facebook page for my business, that of our property group. I had all this branding and everything. And then... Speaking to a lot of people, said people don't invest in businesses, especially like this kind of thing. They invest in you, and if they invest in you, they need to know more about you. You need when they think of gin, they need to think property. And then I saw I started putting more stuff on my own personal Facebook page, and I've only been doing this since probably July. So from July onwards, now I just put everything on there. So everything about myself, so who I am, what's my purpose in life, uh, you know my dedication to waking up early focusing on my business a bit about my family uh you know just showing showing people who i am overall so they can see me as an investable person and i think that's the that's it that's who you have to become you have, you have, you have to become, so if you want somebody to invest in you obviously you need to become investable and you know nobody's going to invest in you if they don't know who you are what you do what you believe in then you know people 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 like making so i always think people like making money but they fear losing money more and you have to take away that fear. So how do you take away that fear from them? And you have to, it's just giving them that confidence that you know what you're doing. You, you've done it before and you, you know, you're not, you know, I'm not putting stuff on Facebook of me going out drinking every weekend and, and doing other <laughs> things. I'm showing them, which I don't do anymore. <laughs> I'm showing them, you know, the, the, who I am now, you know, I'm a more focused per individual. I'm, you know, I'm, dedicated in, in i love what i do i love this property stuff and i'm, I'm showing them results I'm, i've done it the first time and i've got really good results and i've done it the second time and i've got good results so it's short it's beginning to show people that you know jim is investable and, and i wouldn't i i wouldn't have blamed them a few years ago saying jim is investable because i was that person a number of years ago where i didn't i didn't i wasn't really focused i didn't enjoy my job i probably did go on the piss every <laughs> every Friday and I wasn't I was as I wasn't I wasn't an investable person but I I I, I, um, I believe I am investable now I believe myself a lot more 
and I, 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 the person I'm becoming and what I'm achieving, I believe myself, I'm becoming more invested. I'm just, I'm, it's just making people aware of that. But when I worked in my business, in my in company, my managers and everybody used to always tell me, they go, Gene, you do so much, you do lots of good things, but you never promote yourself. You never tell people what you do. And I've always been like that. But I think if you enter the property world and you're looking for investors and everything else, you can't be like that. You can't, you can't be somebody that doesn't tell anybody what you do and what, and what you're doing because there's no way you can get investors that way. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's, there's interesting points you make there. And I think there's three key ones that I agree with. And I think the first one is, like, have a brand. Now, <clears throat> so nowadays, yeah, it's on Facebook, it's on, it's on LinkedIn, it's on social media. But, you know, as long as you have some form of brand, and the easiest way is to do it on Facebook and LinkedIn because of the way the platforms are. You're going to get attention. You're going to get interest. You're going to raise a lot of money. I mean, you and others on this podcast, I'm sure, have raised money from from Facebook, you know. Um, and you think, hold on, Facebook's, you know, for posting pictures of you and Ibiza and your stag and kind of like your cat and all that stuff. But actually, it's such a valuable business platform with so much money waiting on the other side of it. And the second thing is you said, I'm investable. And like saying that takes confidence and takes self-belief. Now, those two things are very difficult to have when you're new in property, right? Like when you first come out of your, your education, you're like, oh, who's going to invest in me? Even yeah. though you're giving someone a percentage return better than anywhere else, there's still that bit missing. And it's so, so important that you just mentioned that because, you know, once you nail th those two kind of beliefs, it doesn't matter how or where, but you will find money and you will find deals. Um, and it's that kind of self-belief that I think a lot of people, um, you know, need to develop, right? Um, yeah. And I forgot what the third thing was, but everything you said there was was super important. Um, and and like to you, um, what like what are you sort of doing? Like, why are you in property? Like, is it for freedom of time? Is it purely for the money? Like, what's it for? For me, it's once. Firstly, it's kind of getting to a position where I'm building passive income and that gives me the time with my family. Uh, but my wife, my wife travels two hours to get to work uh, every day, two hours back. And no, that, I, that's not something that no, I want to happen forever. Uh, so it's, 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 it's a matter of trying to give, get, get in the time for both of us where we can both be financially free and have more time together. Um, it's 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 been inspiration to your children as well. It's showing them that you know my dad loves what he does and he's he's doing what he he loves rather than just doing something for the sake of it. Um, and my my future goal, like my, when I was when I was younger, like I said, home never felt home to me because I'd love you know my dad was dad was alcoholic, I had a lot of problems, and I never felt like at home. Like home didn't feel at home. And I've always had this in the back of my head that one day I want to develop and build houses that are amazing and that they, they are great, great homes for people. Uh, and you don't get there from, it's just my dream. And, and I realized you can't get from that, from doing nothing in property to building amazing houses. You need to work yourself up to get in, to get in, get in there. And I think that's what I've started learning and that's kind of my future vision. And then I think the other thing is, from reading books and, and everything else, I started to understand my purpose in life a bit more. I, I always knew what my purpose in life was, but I, as over time, I'd forgotten that. And I, as a young child, I always said to myself, 
my purpose in life is to help young children have the same opportunities that all children should have. Every child should have this opportunity to be great and the best version of themselves as they get older. And a lot of children don't have that. And that was always in my head that, you know, one day I want to be able to be able to do that and help help young children. Um, so by doing this, by doing property and everything else, it's just a vehicle of allowing me to build build to have the time to start focusing my more of my attention on doing that kind of stuff. So yeah, I'm starting to do more voluntary work. I've done a lot of voluntary work this year. I've raised a lot for charity, and, and I'm just going to continue to do that. Not next going into next year, I'm 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 going to do one day of voluntary work per week. Uh, and if I was in a if I was in if I, if I was in a job, you know, I wouldn't be able to do that. But now I've got some passive income coming in. I can, you know, dedicate one day a week to go and, go and do stuff for charity. Absolutely, and and that's kind of quite a deep meaning to to kind of why you're doing something. And I think that's really important to. It's not it's not a necessity, um, but I think if you have a deep drive and meaning, and something like that kind of fire in your belly pushing you forward. You know, when it gets tough and when things are difficult, you know, you're going to be a lot more driven by that intrinsic motivation than something really kind of, you know, I guess, top level like money or success. But, you know, to you, you've defined it as that. And, and that's, that's so good to see. So w- what does your portfolio look like as of today? And we're, we're in December for everyone who's who's listening, probably in, in 2019, January. Yeah, so I've got the four bed. Uh, HMO. Uh, we've got the eight bed HMO. I did have a uh, a studio apartment in in the Cube in Birmingham, uh, which I bought before my property education, and that was a great property in terms of capital appreciation. It made me uh, fifty thousand pound in six years, uh, which is which is amazing. And a lot of people probably think I'm crazy, but I, I sold it a couple of weeks ago, uh, and that was just because. I see things a lot differently now, and and it's not it's not as much as capital appreciation for me now. It's more about building income. Um, uh, so I knew I could use that money to get me another couple of HMOs where I get more passive income, um, and that was that's more important to me at this moment in time. So that's my property portfolio at the moment. And like I said, it took, it took me a while to get going and I'm getting that confidence. Uh, and I think I think. That, that, I think that just that that I think that just happens to some people. I think yeah. I think some people just need to take it takes a while to build that confidence up and work on themselves because that's the main thing for me. You, you have to you have to really work on yourself as well. You know, it's not it's not easy doing property, uh, and you do, you do have a lot of a lot of things, barriers and problems that you have to come. And you have if you haven't got the motive mindset at the beginning, you you kind of take you a bit longer to get there. And as you build that mindset up, as you build that resilience up. You become a stronger person, and 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 start the deals start coming a bit quicker, and you start moving a bit faster. Mm. And you know what's next in property for you? Like, are you in the in the process of legals of any properties, or do you have a kind of solid plan of what the next I don't know six months or year looks like for you? Yeah, I'm in negotiations of quite a few deals. Uh, nothing accepted at the moment, um, but in my head, I I know where I want to get to. I know why. For me, it's, it's I still want to focus on HMOs. I, uh, it's easy, I think it's easy to get distracted and look, and I have done it a number of times. Start look, say, right, I want to go into different strategies, but I've kind of I've stopped doing that as much now. I say, right, all right, this is my strategy now. I understand this strategy, I understand what I want, I understand what my vision is. So why quickly start moving on to something else until 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 I've mastered this? So I think for the next year, I want to I want to master even more. So I hate the HMO market, understand it in more detail. Um, 
trying to add another 12 units at least. So 12, 12 rooms at least onto my portfolio. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm basically just staying focused and not getting distracted with anything else at this moment in time and, and, and staying and staying and sticking to my plan. Absolutely. And, and you know, just to go back to, to some of your projects, I know one, you said one of them had a refurb of about 75 grand. That's, that's a fair bit of money. It's also a fair bit of money to trust, you know, a builder with. How did you find good builders that you could trust to kind of manage it whilst you were two hours away? I think that's a difficult thing, really. Um, my first property, I I just I was walking the streets and I seen a builder in a property, walked in, started chatting to him and saying, uh, it turned out he was working on a property for another legacy student. And I said, oh, okay. And he goes, yeah. Um, I said, okay, I've, I've got, I'm looking at buying some properties myself. Uh, would you be would you interested in doing the refurb on it for me? And he said, yeah, fine. Checked all his work out uh, and he started doing the refurb on my project. But then things can always change. Like the builder started taking on a lot more projects himself. He started doing a big HMO project for his dad. And his, a lot of his attention and focus was put on that. And although he said that the project would take three months, the first one actually took six months. And I was very trusting uh, at the beginning. And, and I thought, okay, I'll go up and see him every two, three weeks. And, you know, that'll be fine. And, you know, I, I shouldn't have done that really. It's the first time I was working with him. I should have stayed on. I should have been busy to that property a lot more at the beginning. So I, I learned from that. And then on my second one, uh, again, I kind of looked around other people, other uh, kind of legacy students, seeing who was using who. Uh, I noticed that one legacy student had moved out of her investment area and she'd gone to invest in another area now. And I said to her, okay, I know you're moving out your investment area, the same investment I'm area I'm still investing in. Are you happy to share your contacts because you're not using them anymore? And, she, that, and that worked quite well for me. She said she shared, she shared her builders with me. I started using uh, using her builder going forwards, and he was he was he was amazing. To be fair, he just he just gets on with it. It's father and son business. When I visit when I visit him on site, so I. Uh, I they don't have long conversations with me, like, like the other guys. You know, they'll, they'll have a conversation with me and get on with it. They won't talk to me about, for an hour about football or anything else. They'll just, you know, talk to me and keep working. And I think I think you could tell straight away. And, and the standard of work is really good. I visited them every week uh, rather than on my first one going every two to three weeks. I made chores there every every week. And I'd always go there, visit visit uh, Costa on the way and getting some coffees in. <laughs> so yeah, I'd get out of boil, boil, well, it started off custard and it started ended up in McDonald's coffees because it's getting a bit expensive. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, just working closely with them and uh, setting up the plan because a lot of builders sometimes they don't want to work to uh, a plan and 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 you know, uh, like I said, Gantt charts and everything else. So no, I'm not really interested in that. That's not for me. Uh, but if you, if I, if, I, if you do it yourself, you know, I, I worked on spreadsheets and, and time plans and everything else. Took it to them, presented it to them, said, "Where are we on this? Are we off track? If, if we are off track, why are we off track? Uh, what can we do to pull ourselves forward?" And and you know, you know, if you've got a good builder, when they come to you with solutions rather than problems, where my my first my first builder used to come come to me and go, "This is a problem. What what should we do?" And I'm like, "I don't know. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a builder." Whereas my second my second guy used to come to me. The second guy comes to me and goes, "Right, this is a problem." This is the solution. These are the options. This is how much it's going to cost you. And, and I love that. And I think, I think, I think that's that's just the way it is. I think if you you learn, you learn as each each time you, you do a different project. Um, and you know sometimes you can blame your builders and blame everybody else, but 
sometimes you have to make sure that you you manage them as well and you have the right systems in place uh, if things are going off track you you're monitoring it and making sure you, they're going to get pulled back uh, you don't well, like another example is on my first birthday every time he goes went, went, something went wrong he goes I'll sort it and I thought in my head are we sorting it so I never used to ask him a price and I thought oh he's sorting it that must be within the price I won't ask him because then he might charge me <laughs> So I never used to say nothing, and then and then until the end of the project, he goes right, Jin, you owe me, you know, X amount for all that work. I go, well, I thought you were going to sort it, and he goes, What do you mean, sort it? He goes, It doesn't come for free, and I hadn't, I hadn't budget, I hadn't budgeted, budgeted budget for any of that, and that that caused me problems towards the end of the project. Whereas this time, every time the builder says, Oh, this needs doing, I go, oh, What's the price? What's the options? You know, what what are the different options? How much are going to cost me? So like you say, you just learn as you go along, and you know each time you're gonna get you're gonna get a bit more wiser wiser to things. Yeah, absolutely. So it's kind of networking to find those good builders, um, maintaining kind of close relationships with them, but also knowing that they are still in a profitable business. You know, always check things out, be diligent with when they say they're going to do things and how they're going to do it, and how much it's going to cost. Um, it's all too easy to trust a builder or, or anyone in life, you know, sometimes, but you've always got to be pretty diligent so Jin this brings us really close to the end of the podcast um next time I'm in the Midlands we we definitely have to meet up um for sure and I know you're going to be on my business partner Aaron's podcast find your voice at some point in the next sort of few months so like everyone look out for that to kind of understand uh who Jin is as a person more than the kind of property aspect I know that's going to be really really interesting um and also Jin is giving away two 15 minute kind of consultation coaching slots so please uh like the facebook page follow on instagram um leave a review on itunes or the podcast app or on facebook let me know you've done it and i'll enter you into the competition jen if you know what if people want you know to get a coaching call with you what should like what are your areas of expertise you know top three areas of expertise that you could share with people yeah for me it'd be kind of how to get yourself in the right mindset to begin with uh, I read a certain, I said I read a number of books, and I think the order that I read them kind of helped me a lot. So just, just briefly, the, the books I read were Rich Dad Poor Dad, which taught me about passive income. Then I read a book called Slight Edge, which which taught me about you know things take time, and yep, and you can do little little things bit by bit. They become big things over time. I don't, I don't expect from coming from from nowhere to somewhere fighting day even like one day. Then I read a book called Golf on Now which taught me about kind of learning to accept failure and, and, and not looking for no all the time. So, I, I, so you know, I think I'll teach them kind of look a lot about the books kind of read and the mindset, how I got to my mindset. I can talk talk a lot about some of the issues and problems I've had and I've, I've, I've overcome them. And uh, a bit about goal setting. So I, had, I, always had, I always had problems with goal setting, but I've got, a, I've got my own system now of how, how to set goals and follow them to a plan. And then I'm making making draw action on them each time. Uh, I've got a number of templates which I'm happy to share as well uh, about how I set my goals and and, and and implement them. Awesome, and this this template is really really good. I'm actually gonna I was meant to ask Jen for one myself. So if you do want them, uh, drop me a message on Facebook and I'll get those sent over to you. So let's go to the quick fire round. Now you've already answered one of them, which was the kind of top three books. So let's go into the first one, which is what are your top three quick tips for newbies people who are new in property investment okay so first one would be 
really just tell everybody what you do. Uh, make make sure you keep telling people that you know if you invest in property, tell people you're you're, you're a property investor all the time because one, it kind of makes sure makes as soon as people think of your your name, they think property investor. Any deals come along, or if they want to invest in you, they think of you first. Secondly, it increases your confidence because if you keep telling people that you, that's what you do, you believe that's what you do, and then that confidence starts coming through. Uh, second one is um, don't overanalyze. So a lot of people say overanalysis leads to paralysis, and I think that that happened to me right at the beginning of my journey. I'd overanalyze deals over and over again, and I want the perfect deal to begin with. Uh, and I, I don't think you'll always find that perfect deal to begin with, you, you know. And the main thing is just starting. Once, you, once you've got that first property and you've completed it and you've gone from right from the beginning all the way right to the end where you've got tenants in, you've refinanced it, you've pulled some money back out, your your confidence increases massively because then you that's when you believe in the system. You, you believe that system works. And once you've got to that stage, then, you know, you'll notice how much your confidence changes and, and your your other people around you will start get, getting more confident around you as well and, and saying, right, this guy does it. He, you know, he, he can prove that he does it. And then people start talking to you a lot more. So, you know, don't wait for that perfect deal on your first one. If it's not the perfect deal, it doesn't matter. At least, you, at least you're following what you've learned. Because a lot of people do the education and do nothing for a long time. And they never forget that education over time and, you know, lose a lot of money for paying for education that never actually implemented. So, you know, do the education and action it as soon as possible. And, you know, that first deal is not going to be perfect. Uh, final one uh, is probably just work on your, work on your mindset. Uh, I think mindset's massive. Um, having having a, for me having that morning routine, uh, spending time myself, understanding what I what what I want to achieve, uh, what my goals are. Um, I think it's really helped me and just keeps keep me focused and on track. Really great. And then, what are your sort of biggest three mistakes that you've made in your property journey so far? Uh, I think one was trusting my builders too much and becoming too friendly with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not your mates at the end of the day. It's it's a it's, it's a business, uh, and you know if you got if you go on site, you know having long conversations with them and thinking of your best buddies and they're sorting you out and sorting you a great deal. Like, it's not like the you know, they're in a business too. They're in the business to make money. If you're having long conversations with them, you're you're that's costing you money. At the end of the day, that project's gonna take longer. So you know. It's good to have a strong, good relationship with them, uh, but you know, but it's a business relationship, not a, not a friendship. So that's one of the things. Uh, the other one is to keep the momentum going. So one of the problems I faced was when I first, my first deal accepted, I thought started celebrating, thinking, yes, great, first deal accepted. Um, I, you know, that's I, I can take my foot off the gas. Uh, but it took me six months from day of day of. That my first deal got accepted to completing because the conveyancing process can take so long sometimes. And my, my first deal was uh, on by three doctors who, you know, took a long time filling in paperwork. And because I, I took my foot off the gas, I lost that momentum. So, you know, keep going. Even when your deal gets accepted, keep going. Acceptance doesn't mean completion because I've had lots of deals accepted since then and, the, the, you know, they haven't gotten to completion of the through. And you've got to kind of get used to that over, over, over time. So yeah, don't don't kind of get you know keep 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 the momentum going all the time. Um, and the third mistake would probably be, um, 
I think I coming coming to again really just not I I didn't tell people what I was doing for a long time and and I think I think that's one of the biggest mistakes I made. Just keep keep always telling people what you do and and spreading, you know, going to networking events, using Facebook, uh, using any any tools you can to just keep promoting yourself and telling people what you do. Uh, amazing. Jin, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you, and I think you, you've dropped some golden nuggets throughout this podcast that the people are going to be going to be really, really um, grateful for. Um, and, and you know, your personal story alongside property is really interesting. And you know, thank you so much for coming on. Um, you know, jumping out of your comfort zone, which I know is something you're you're doing a lot more of now. And and yeah, sharing your kind of wisdom with everyone else. And you know, let's get you back on in a year or so and and see where your portfolio is at and and what you're kind of doing then. Cheers. Thanks, Tedge. And yeah, you got, got me out of my comfort zone and I appreciate it. If you like this podcast, connect with Tej on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube for more great content.